How many are grateful that God's for you this morning? He just is. Man, there's a lot that comes against us. Lots that comes out your marriage. There's lots that come against your family. There's lots that will come against your singleness. There's lots that will come against our young people and our kids. But I, I'm just so grateful that this isn't just words on a screen. This is Bible, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And he's with us and he's got great things ahead for us. He does. And before I pray, I just want us just to acoustically just sing this bridge one more time. And I want you to think about your family Think about someone in your life. Think about our church family. Let's just pray this prayer, which is straight out of scripture. Let's make it a prayer this morning. Let's sing May His Favor. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Yes, Lord. we declare that over our, this house, this family, Calvary Community Church, that your favor would be on the families of this church. God, I pray that there would be a great awareness of your presence this week in our lives. An awareness, and as we read the word on our own this week, I pray that we would sense your presence in great ways. Lord, as we, as we raise our kids and we think generationally, we think not just about this generation, but the next generation, may we have this mindset of your presence, your presence that goes with us, that's before us, because we are not alone on this journey called life. We have people, but most importantly, we have your presence that goes with us. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite you to look at the screens as we read our scripture this morning in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse one through three. You can stay standing just for a moment. This is our scripture. It says, these are the commands and the decrees and the law the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess. Catch this in verse two. So that you, your children, and their children, fitting song, huh? After them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and his commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. Verse three, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing of milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord, and you say, thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Can we thank our team for leading us in worship this next generation? And um, gosh, as one of the pastors here, someone gets to help lead our youth ministry. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of the young people that God has given us here at Calvary Community Church. Um, I couldn't be more proud of their character. What you see is what you get. We know all of these students personally. Uh, we, we know many of their families. I couldn't be more proud of the 50 or 60 volunteers that serve in our youth ministry on a week, 
to week basis that disciple and that pour in. I know I see them all over. I think of the binders you guys had. I don't know how many students at your house on Friday night, right? And um, can we just thank those that serve and invest and are a part of our youth group and our youth ministry. And um, this weekend, actually, before I say this, I also want to make sure we acknowledge our veterans this, this morning as on the on the heels of Veterans Day. Pastor Ray says this, and I think it is so fitting. Uh, freedom isn't free. Freedom comes with a cost. And it's come with the cost of people that have sacrificed and given uh, a lot of their future so that we could have a future. Can we thank the veterans this morning? We appreciate you. We thank you so much for that. Yeah. This weekend is, is part two of what Pastor Ray opened with last week. We've been talking about a place to call home. We've been talking about these four words of family, formation, foundation, and future. Pastor Ray talked last week on the future is missional. And this week, I get the honor of, of speaking on this topic, that the future is generational. The future is generational. We want to invite you back next week as we have some exciting things to share with our church family. And we we'll hope you'll be here and invite your friends to be with us as well. This weekend, you were greeted by students. This weekend, you were led into worship by students. This weekend, there were students that showed up here at 8 a.m. to pray for you. For all of our students, they prayed for you. Uh, this, this weekend, over in Calvary Kids, there's many students that are serving as co-leaders this morning. Many students made you coffee, and everyone said amen, right? <laughs> You've heard stories this weekend of how this church has made an impact on students, you've, you've been impacted. I guess what we're trying to get you to see this weekend at Calvary Community Church is our God, when he thinks about the church, he thinks about the church generationally. When God thinks about the church, he doesn't just think about it in one generation, he thinks about it in generationally. This is in fact what it says in Exodus chapter three, verse six, he says this, I am the God of your father, and catch this, generations, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. When God seeks to do something in the church, when God seeks to do something in the world, he thinks of it generationally. He thinks, of, he thinks three. He doesn't just think one generation. He thinks the generation after that. He thinks about those that are ahead of us. He thinks about those that are behind us. Our God, when he thinks about how he is gonna do a mission in the world through the church, he thinks about how the young people can be with the old people, how the old people can pour into the young people and how the young people can be used by God in mighty, mighty ways. I guess this weekend, what I wanna shift in our thinking is that, those to care for the next generation isn't just the sole job of the youth pastor, isn't just the sole job of the kids pastor, isn't just the sole job of people that step up to serve our kids. How many know all of us have a call to serve the next generation? I want, I want you to see this weekend that we all have young people in our life. You have kids in your life. You may not have kids in your life, but your friends have kids in their life. You may be a, a dad, a mom, a grandma, a grandpa. Uh, you may be someone that's single, but your, your friends are having kids. I guess what I want you to see this week, that we're not just supposed to be idle watching the next generation attempt to be raised, but we are to be active participants and seeing each of us, all of us, every single one of us, whatever season of life you're in as a participant in shaping the next generation. In fact, we all have young people in our life. If you don't know if you have young people in your life, I promise you, you do. You just haven't seen them yet. They're there somewhere. We all do. In fact, I, I might even say this boldly, we're all youth workers this morning. We're all, we're all volunteers in the youth ministry. So well, you just signed up to serve. That's exciting. A part of that, thank you. We gotta start thinking this way, that biblically, this is how God 
that, that when uh, this last service, my, my little Liam was running around the stage and we were all talking and one of the other moms from our friend group came up and was like watching Liam. And I was like, that's a picture of the church, right? Like other moms and, and dads coming alongside. I want us to think generationally that we're called to raise kids together. We're called to be an active participant. I was thinking this week, I, I nerded out a little bit. Is it okay if I nerd out in front of you for a second? Um, thank you. And um, at least you and I, right? Um, and uh, I, I had done some thought thinking about Generation Z, which is our current generation growing up. I do have done some thinking about Generation Alpha that's coming after Generation Z. But I'm a millennial and I know a bit about my generation. Uh, but I hadn't really traced back that much further. So I actually want to show you a graphic. I found this super fascinating. Um, this is from McCrindle. They're a research organization based out of Australia. And um, this is all the generations represented in this room this morning. Do you see yourself up there yet? Uh, yes, there's a lot we could say. Um, and um, I guess the, the first thing that catches my mind, and I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but uh, was, is the lingo, right? The lingo at the top, you know, in 19, the, the builder generation. We prefer proper English, if you please. And then all the way to Gen Alpha, which is our, probably some of our elementary kids. I don't even know if I can say those words from the platform this morning. I don't even know if they're appropriate or not, right? So I'm like, um, but all these different lingos, all these different things. And uh, you think about all the way back from the Model T car to now cars that are driving themselves, right? This is uh, how the generations have gone. The, the, what's so fascinating to me is the, um, that the iconic toy is the fidget spinner, right? And we, the list could go on and on. But I guess what I want you to see is our current, the most of the teenagers are in Generation Z. Uh, you can find yourself on there. I'm Generation Y, that's millennial generation. Uh, and then a lot of our younger kids are Generation, they're Generation Alpha. I want you to think generationally. I want you to think that God has been faithful through all these generations. And I want to show you some some pictures of what Generation Z will never experience that many of us have got to experience. Yes. Here we are. I think some of you, you can hear it. You've got mail, right? Here we are. And um, the fighting over who is on the computer versus on the phone because you can only do one at a time. Amen, right? This generation will never understand the pain and the fights my sister and I had growing up. Go to the next one. How about this one? Bye-bye. And speaking of, speaking of this, right? The flip phone. And uh, yes, that one does have a camera. And uh, how many people are just like, I want that phone back. You can have my iPhone. I want that. I want to retreat back to simplicity, right? Um, how about this? Blockbuster. Yeah. And I remember growing up, there was a Blockbuster right next to a Papa Murphy's. And so my mom would let us go get a pizza and for part of my growing up life, a VHS, and the rest of it, a DVD. And then we would watch whatever movie and have pizza night. This generation, the, our current generation, uh, is the Netflix generation. They will never know what it means to have to go to a store to get a movie or to get a DVD. 
Uh, this, is, this is blockbuster. I know, sad. Some of you guys are crying. It's okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I promise. It's okay. Um, go to the next one. How about this? For me growing up, this was a defining marker. 9-11 was a defining marker in my life. Our young people, this isn't a history book for them. I'm trying to give you context. Give you context of, of where we're at. Maybe a couple more. How about this? Family dinner. I just found this picture online. It's a stock photo. You can probably Google family picture and you'll find the same one. It's like not like some family at Calvary. They're probably like in Tennessee or something, right? But um, how many know the, the beauty of a family dinner is something Generation Z is not experiencing? Many aren't. And unfortunately, if we don't fight for some of these traditions and DNAs that have been a part of the fabric of our country for so many years and the family of faith, these are, these are going to go away. But how many know there's so much power in a family dinner? I'm getting to the end of the message before I'm supposed to, but this is, there's power in it. We've got we've to think through these things. We've got to think through the things that are important. My wife and I, we're, we're both, we both work full time. Some of us, sometimes I have night commitments, sometimes she has night commitments. But that family dinner, even if it's just for 20 minutes, has been something we're going to fight for as a family. Make sure we have that. How about the next one? Another cheesy stock photo that I found online, but I was kind of in the mood for that. Um, church. For many of us growing up, church was at the center of a society. A lot of things revolved around church. Increasingly, church has moved to the margins. Thinking around religion and faith has moved to the margins of society. And this is what Generation Z is growing up. Just as, it, just as I heard it said this way, maybe this will resonate with you. Just as uh, a lot of us would feel uncomfortable going to another religion's place of worship, you think about where another religion might worship, that's how many of this generation will think about the Christian church. They'll think about how foreign it would feel to come into a place like this. In fact, this is what it says. We are, we are, uh, this is a study by, in a book called A Church Doesn't End With Z. And it was talking about how in 1955, 70% of, of people, 1955, 70% of people uh, called themselves church people and would go to a church, would be associated with the church and mostly go every single Sunday. That's 70%. In 2021, the same study was done. And what was 70% is now 47%. It's a lot. That's a big difference. When you think about the millions of people that that affects, church attendance has plummeted 20% in the last 20 years. And you're like, Taylor, this sounds very depressing. Yeah, don't worry, it gets better. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is that we are, in a cult, we are in a different cultural climate than maybe we are used to. This is a different time for this generation. Now, I think sometimes... Uh, generationally, we like to think that, oh, this generation's worse than another generation, and we like to kind of play that a little bit. But I, I just want to say, I feel like each generation has its unique challenges and its unique strengths. Can we agree on that? I believe as you look at a thing sociologically, you look at things personally, you look at how things go, each generation will have the hurdles that they have. And this is the hurdles of Generation Z. I just think it's fascinating for you to know um, that digital Z or Generation Z, they're digital natives. Um, what does this mean? Uh, we had to learn how to go online. Generation Z and Generation Alpha will learn how to go, how to go offline. All they've known is a world with technology. They're entrepreneurial. What does this mean? Uh, social media has given everyone a platform. 
So if you want to start a business, you can start a business at age 12. You just post on your social media and people can Venmo you, right? This is, this is their, their new era. Uh, diverse, this will be the most diverse generation the United States has ever seen. I've talked about less religious. Blurry, that means the lines of truth have been, have been blurred. Overwhelmed, the, the pandemic and the events revolving the pandemic, I think have caused the last four overwhelmed. Lonely, progressive, and individualistic. These are the insights on Generation Z, according to Sean McDowell, and you should Google him. He has tons of great work about this next generation. Here's the reality. Every generation has their strengths and their challenges, but I believe that every generation, from the oldest to the youngest, is craving the same four things this morning. I think all of us are craving purpose. All of us are craving love. All of us are craving significance. And all of us are craving belonging. I think at the human heart, the human heart... Things and culturally are shifting and changing, but at the human heart, we all crave to have a purpose and to be loved and to be significant to somebody and to belong to a group of people. This is, this is I think, our heart. And this is where we find ourselves in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, I read a portion of it this morning. Uh, the people of Israel had just, had just received the 10 commandments from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter five. Uh, you may know this story. God was, God was trying to give the people context on how to live into their promised land. Much of the journey of the people of Israel was getting out of slavery into their promised land. And so God had given them these 10 commandments as kind of a framework. This is, this is the best way to operate. If you operate in this way, there'll be order, there'll be joy, there'll be purpose. This will work really well for you. If you don't do this, it will not go well for you. So this is the 10 commandments. Immediately after the 10 commandments is Deuteronomy chapter six. And it's the scripture that I read this morning. God gives them a context into how to live out the 10 commandments. Here's the stuff you should do. Here's how you should do it. Are you with me this morning? And so he says this, these are the commandments. The commandments meaning the 10 commandments, the, the decrees and the laws the Lord has directed your God the Lord your God has directed me to teach you and to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess. That's the promised land. So that your children and their children may fear the Lord and that your God, as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands. Those are the 10 commandments. How, how should they do that? This is the first thing. The call for them and how they were to love the next generation was to love God passionately. Love God passionately. God was thinking generationally with the people of Israel. This was a framework on how they were to raise their families, how they were to think about young people. And this is what they were called to. The first ones, they were called to love God passionately. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter six, right after the scripture I just read. It says, here is the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now I could do a whole teaching just on that right there. How we know there is one way to God and his name is Jesus Christ. And we have uh, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, that we are monotheistic, we believe in one God. I don't have a whole time to talk about it, but just say amen, so now you're with me, right? He's one. And what are we called to do? We're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. The first thing that when they were thinking generationally in the people of Israel, God was saying, here's how you live out the 10 commandments. Don't forget love. Love God passionately. Love God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, with your whole mind. And later in the New Testament, they add strength, with your whole strength. Love God with everything. Love God passionately. I, I think that the times in our lives of just timid Christianity, you're going through the motions, Christianity, you're just kind of a, a Sunday morning faith, it has to end. God is looking for us to love him with our whole heart. What does this mean? We love him with our whole obedience. 
The Bible says, the Bible says that you cannot serve two masters. You can only serve one. And how do we love God? We put him first in our lives. We put him as the first thing in our lives. And can I tell you, it is always going to be a tension to what has first place in your life. What has first place in your life has your heart, period. What you put as the first thing in your life has your heart this morning. What is it? Is it money? Can I tell you, you can't have both God and money. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. Is it your career? You can't have both career and love God on the same pedestal. One has to go first. What goes first? Is it, is it fear? Is that what's on the pedestal? All you can think about is worry. Can I tell you, worry and worship cannot coexist. They take the same place in your brain. Is it, is it, is it the future that you're so concerned about how your future is gonna play out? Can I tell you, we, a lot of us can idolize the future and how it's gonna go, but we gotta put God first there. How do we love God passionately? Put him first. What is the first thing you think about when you wake up? If it's not God, that reveals to you what has your heart right now. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> this is important stuff. The next generation is looking for a group of people that will love God passionately. You know what I love about God? There's a lot of things, but what I love about God is that he knows all the things that, about me. He knows the things I think about. He knows the things that are in my heart. And this is scary, isn't it? <laughs> He knows the, the good things, the bad things, the way that I deceive myself even at times, yet he chooses to love me anyway. We're fully known and we're fully loved this morning. See, I think sometimes we think that God only loves the good parts of us. God only loves me on a Sunday morning from 11 to 12, hopefully 12 or five, right? No, no, let me tell you, God loves you every part of your life. He loves you that moment you made a mistake, he still loves you. The moment when you feel like you're not lovable, he still loves you. The moment your marriage isn't going well and you feel like you're letting God down, he still loves you. The moment, and, and parents, my hand is raised, when you feel like you crush it as a parent or when you don't crush it as a parent, how many know God still loves you? He still loves you. And we gotta, we gotta get back to this, this, this core truth as a church that we, we just wanna love God with our, all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Nothing else matters. It's, it's one of the only things we'll do for eternity that starts now is we just get to love God with our lives. And this generation is looking for a group of people that will love God passionately. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is what the scripture says. Number two, not should we just love God passionately, we should impress truths practically. Impress truths Practically. This is what it says in the next verse. Impress them. Everyone say impress. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the call. Impress, impress the things of God onto your children and onto your family. Uh, if, you, if you know the context of the scripture, you may or may not know, but the people of Israel, even today, the Jewish people, they, they put things around their, their head. It's like a headband with a box on the front of it. Inside of it has some scriptures in it. And in those scriptures, there's some of the ones we read say, love the Lord to God, love your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a couple others that they'll put in there. Along the door frames of their home, a lot of times on the outside, even if you go to Israel today, there'll be a little thing on the outside that might have a little piece of scripture in it. Above the door frames, they would put some things at times. They would, they would wrap, and you can find all these things online, it's fascinating. They would wrap their arms in some things that would have scriptures on it. What was the point? They didn't want any moment to go from their day where they were not thinking about the commands and the purposes of God. 
It was like all around them. It was like when, it says like when you walk along the side of the road, remember the commands of God. When you, when you, when you look at your hands, oh, you see this thing wrapped around you that reminds you of the things of God. When you're walking and in your peripheral, could you imagine having a box on the front of your head, right? And all you see is this box that reminds you, oh yeah, scripture. Oh yeah, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What were the people of Israel trying to get their generations to do? They were trying to impress truth practically, and practical things in their lives. And how many know we're still called to do the same? It's the little things in our lives. It's, the, it's, when you, it's when you wake up, maybe instead of listening to certain music, you put worship music on in your house. It's when you drive in your car, instead of listening to this radio show or listening to this podcast, you maybe choose a Christian podcast. You fill your car, your house, your, the, the places you go with, with godly things, with things of, of God, with, with things that are of scripture, the things that are implanting things into your kids' lives. My wife and I, many, I've talked about him a ton. His name's Liam. He's 19 months old. And we're just so well aware in our family that everything we do, he's now watching now. And uh, I, I could share with you all the mistakes that I've made, but I'm gonna just share the one success because that's more fun this morning, right? Um, every night, Every single night, we, he goes into his chair and, and we say, he says, Mama, Dada, pray. Mama, Dada, pray. Mama, Dada, pray. And he knows, takes a bath. We do all the bedtime routine, all the parents you know, all the stuff, right? And then mom usually reads him a book and then he says, Mama, Dada, pray. And that's when I come in the room. And sometimes I pray. Sometimes my wife prays. Most of the time my wife prays because he likes it better when she prays. <laughs> but it's little things. Every night, buddy, we hope you know how loved you are. We love you. Your family loves you. It's little things. At church, he comes and he's around a lot of amazing people. You guys love our son so well. But this is, the, this is what it means. It's intentional things. We cannot leave these things to chance. We have to take intentional steps to say, how are we going to raise the next generation? Is it just going to be just, is it just going to happen? Just because Liam's around church doesn't mean he's getting discipled. Are you with me? Just because he's around good things, we have to be intentional about impressing practical truths into his life. It's about correcting. It's about teaching. It's about showing. It's about encouraging. It's, it's practical and pressing on our kids. And can I just say, from one parent to another. Parenting is so hard. This point in my life, it is the hardest thing that I've done, also the most joyous thing. But can I tell you, it is worth it every single time because this is God's gift to us, to do this right. Grandparents, your role is just as important. It is. Siblings to older kids or younger kids, your role is just as important to impress these truths practically. Who, whose job, I, I, this is a fun question for, you to ask, for me to ask, whose job is it to raise, to disciple your kids? Is it the church or is it the family? It's really a trick question. It's both. It's both. It's, it's the hour, hour and 10 minutes they get here, but then every other hour with you, every moment is a chance to disciple and to love and to care and to impress the truth practically. We might not have headbands with little boxes on it to remember scripture, but you can have sticky notes. You can put notes in your kid's lunchbox. All these things that just thinking about the day-to-day -day things of our lives 
practically. So what is this generation looking for? A group of people that will love God passionately with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Impress truths practically. And thirdly, share stories personally. Share testimonies personally. This, this generation needs to hear a group of people share the stories of what God has done in their life. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 6. You can read it for yourself. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, this is the promised land, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with large and flourishing cities, catch this, that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that what? That you did not provide, with wells that what? You did not dig, and vineyards and olive gardens that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, and I think this is the, the key of the verse, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. He brought you out of Egypt, which was slavery, into the promised land. Do not forget the Lord. This is sharing stories to tell of God's faithfulness. The next generation needs to hear your stories of how God has brought you through. Needs to hear your stories of how God's been faithful to you. Share stories personally. Your, your kids, if I get to speak from my heart, your kids need to, they need to know that the things you have isn't because of you, it's because of a good God that has provided all those things. Your kids need to not forget the Lord, that every meal we eat is a blessing from God, isn't it? Every car we drive was a car he's allowed us to drive. Every job we have is a job that he's given us. And how powerful would it be if a group of people just began to say, you know what, Liam, mommy and daddy have been really blessed, but really it's God's blessing on our lives. We don't want to forget this is the God equation. God's been the one that's done it all. We've just been open-handed and he's been over the top, so good and so generous to us through so many people and through opportunities. And, but like God, it's all God. He's the one that is good. And for Liam to know, don't forget God. Don't forget him. You know how powerful it is when a teenager sits with someone a little bit older, a teenager that's worried about anxiety or worry or stress or some of those nine words that I shared and can look at someone who's a little bit older, has gone through some seasons and says, you know what? You're gonna make it because this is how God brought me through. It's a story, sharing a testimony. Don't forget God. Like, he's gonna be with you through this thing because he was with me 10, 15 years ago. And don't worry, he's not gonna forget you today. He's with you today too. This is the testimonies. Church, we can't leave this to chance. We can't leave discipleship to chance. We can't leave raising our families to chance. Our kids, our families, the next generation is gonna be formed by something. And I think we at Calvary Community Church are just saying, we're not just gonna let it happen. We're gonna be intentional about making sure our kids know the ways of God, making sure our kids know how to worship, making sure that our kids know that this house is not just a house for adults. This is a house for kids and for you too. We're gonna be intentional for them to know, yeah, we're not perfect, but we serve a God who's perfect. We're gonna fail, they're gonna fail. By the end of the day, it's all just by grace anyway, isn't it? It's sharing these stories. I wanna show you three pictures of probably 30 that I could share, but, or 50, but I just wanna show you the first one. This is Rick Oliveira. He's been at all the services this weekend. He's standing there in the back. When I was a high school student, Rick Oliveira was a leader in our high school ministry. And when I came to be the youth pastor here, 
Rick has not very, missed very few Sundays. And on Sunday nights, he helps us with a lot of logistical stuff and helps us with making sure that the spaces are great. But he invites kids into his home. He disciples kids. He walks with teenagers. Even some of your, your kids in this room, he walks with. 12 years. This is Gary. Gary has also not missed very many Sundays. If you know Gary, Gary has the energy of a 13-year-old, but in like a, <laughs> yes. He's amazing. He does outreaches. He goes to the skate park and feeds people and feeds students and invites them to church. And he has not missed very many youth nights. Go to the next one. He's the Hodges. For... I don't know how many years, eight years, every Wednesday night during the school year, they've had high school kids on their couch. Group of high school kids coming through. What are they saying? If I were to interview Deb and Dawn, they would say, we're not perfect, but we have a little bit of wisdom to offer the next generation. So as they come into our home, we're just gonna do our best to treat them like family, welcome them into our home, make sure they know that they belong and they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And we're just gonna care and to pour into them. I could, I could share about the Vavericks who are in service. I could share about the binders. I could look, I could talk all about many different leaders, Molly and others that are in this room this morning that I'm probably forgetting, but there's a lot of you, so I can't see all of you. But what are we saying? We're a church that is not just gonna let this generation idly go by. We're gonna be intentional about pouring into them. And, and maybe some of you this morning, this is God's call to you to come join us in this, in this endeavor. It's not an easy endeavor, might I say. Can I just be honest with you? Sometimes discipling young people is really hard, but it is worth it every single time. You might say, well, Taylor, I don't have that much to offer. I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. No, you're not. That's a lie from the enemy. You are just where God wants you. You have just the things that this generation needs and we need some wisdom to come alongside of us. Let's go. Come join us. God's doing great things. But even if you don't feel called to that, look for the young people that are in your life and pour into them. I wanna end with this moment. We, we read Deuteronomy chapter six. It's, a, it's, it's called the Shema. And this Shema word in Hebrew just means to listen. And in Hebrew, to listen also means to obey. We've separated it in American culture that you can listen to something and you can choose whether you're gonna obey it or not. <laughs> and the Shema, that was not the case. To hear God meant to go do what God said. Right? So when God said, love the Lord your God, it wasn't an option. When God said, Invest in the next generation, it wasn't an option. When God said, no, no, it was just like, they just did it. And part of the Shema was listening to God's commands. I wanna give you a moment to listen this morning. I'm gonna invite you to stay seated. When Olivia sang this song at youth a little bit ago, it just stopped me in my tracks. I invite you to take a deep breath. Will you take a deep breath with me? Just to slow down, slow your mind, slow your heart. God's presence is in this room and may the words of this song, may they just speak to you and, and meet you here and I'll come up and pray when she's done singing.